Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. ¿Qué tal, mi gente? It's your girl, Dalis Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. Uh, today's guest, I I can't even, I don't have all the words to describe Elisa, but it's one of those episodes where I feel like I almost don't want to give you the full tea on what we're going to talk about because I really want you to experience all of it for the first time. But here's what I'll say. Today's guest is going to have y'all crying, but she's also going to have y'all feeling an immense amount of joy. I'm so excited to introduce Elisa to Hello Latino. She's going to be talking about her story, making really difficult decisions as an immigrant, as a first gen, all in hopes of reaching her American dream. She's also a relationship coach, so she talks a lot about how she healed and mended some broken relationships and how you can do the same as well. But I I'll stop here. I, I really, I cannot wait till y'all experience this. Um, I I am so excited to have this conversation because one, I'm like a dating coach. Yes, please. Like, let's have you on. <laughs> um, but also, I I love that you reached out and like, I, I just love when people listen to the podcast and they think that they will add so much more value with their story. I'm like, yes, this is why I do it because you pull in people that you would never otherwise know about, right? And you reached out and I was, I looked at your page and you talked about being a, a Latina dating coach. And I was just like, yes, I need to have her on my podcast ASAP. Um, so, so happy that you're here and I'll, I'll get started with the first question. Okay. I'm actually a relationship uh, coach. So, so, a relationship so, coach. All, yeah, all relationships. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, relationship coach. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I have to tell you that um, one of my closest friends, I was, uh, I'm from San Diego. One of my closest friends in San Diego, she is a dating coach. So may have Ooh. confused it there. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I do love, and we're going to be exploring the, the difference between relationships and all the sense of the word versus dating. Mm, I'm so excited. Okay, well, let's all start right. with the first question because we have lots to unpack. Um and how, and that the first question is, how do you identify and why? All right. So I always I tell people when they ask me that question or I'm like, I'm an American with an accent. That's what I yeah. <laughs> Because I feel like I, the, the accent is there. It tells you, hey, I'm not from here. I'm from somewhere else. And, mm. but I'm an American because I came here and I adopted the, the culture. I adopted like what this country stands for and I'm like living the American dream. So I'm like both. That's why I, I like to say I'm an American with an accent. <laughs> <laughs> and let's, let's go deep into your accent. Where's your accent from? What does your accent represent? Like what's the other part of you that people may, may not know, right? Like what's that other side? Yeah. So I'm from Argentina. 
and I, Buenos Aires, Bahia Blanca. It's a small city in Buenos Aires. And I, I came here when I was 11. So I remember a lot of things, but mostly my life has been here in America. Like, you know, right. I was brought here when I was little. So, but I do have beautiful memories from um, my childhood with my family and relatives, which are still there. Um, but most of my family is here in the U.S. So that's kind so of where I am. This is a big deal. This is a big deal because you are the first Argentinian on the podcast talking Ooh, about this. Representando. <laughs> um, I love it. And so I was like, pause because it's a big deal. Um, but I let's talk about that journey because it, this is a very interesting concept, right, of like, being American, adopting American culture, especially for for those who immigrated here when they were young, right? Um, talk about the immigration story a little bit. Talk about what you remember from Argentina to 11 years old, immigrating to the U.S. to like childhood in the U.S. Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's start like in the beginning. So for me, like my experience was not the typical one, or at least I would like to say that. Because growing up the first five years of my life, my dad had a really successful business and he had like a, a small Home Depot kind of like <laughs> he was a provider yeah. for like tools and, and equipment. So he, it was very successful and like we, we were able to have like our own custom built home for our family of 10 because I'm the seventh of eight. Um, so seventh of it, eight. It, oh my god! Yeah, I'm the seventh in general, but that's a lot. <laughs> it is right. It, it's not common, so we needed a bigger home, and because he was doing so well financially, we were able to have that. So growing up, like for the first part of my childhood, I we were fine, and then the economy took a hit, and presidency changed in our country, and just inflation went up. So. His business went downhill and I, I know my dad, like being the type of person that never gives up. And I think that's the, an attribute from Latinos, really. Like, I think that's something so, that we work so hard and we never give up. So he, he was always trying to improve. That business didn't work. He tried so many other businesses. But after having that, like the built-in home and just having everything we needed really um we went to living in a three-bedroom apartment on an eighth floor i remember to me it was fun okay but because i was young <laughs> but looking back we were cramped there were 10 people in a three-bedroom apartment we were just it was a nightmare but uh it's just things just got worse and worse after that like businesses were not working for him and they tried to make the best out of it. Like, I know that there were some months that, like, my family, we had a bag of potatoes for the whole month. And that's, my mom had to make it, make magic, really, uh, with that. Mm. But for me, I don't remember the hardship of not having food. I was little. I knew about it, but I, it didn't affect me as much as when I had to go to school. That was hard because I had, like, holes in my shoes I had like holes in my pants that I from hand-me-down clothes and 
and going to school, oh, like it was hard because I was the one that had less than, <laughs> but I, you know, I went from loving school to dreading school because of that, because I had to show up to school with shoes that were bigger than my size, but I, I did it. And I think that helped me and has helped me my whole life to appreciate what I have now and appreciate what this country has to offer me and my children. Um, but like, just from that, my parents tried to make it happen, tried to make things work and it didn't work out. So for a few years, that was our life. Um, and until like the last year, we didn't have hot water. We didn't have electricity. And mm. my parents were like, okay, we need to move. We need to go. And they always loved coming to the U.S. They, they loved traveling when they, their business was doing well. They would travel. They would bring us clothes, food. I remember opening like his luggage and smelling the M&M's. Oh, the big <laughs> red. The, uh, oh my, the oh bubblicious. That oh, smell. Oh, oh my God, so good. I remember like Best childhood we, smells right there. Right? Right? <laughs> yes. I remember like all around his luggage and like he would open it and it was like, oh, heaven. That's what America smells like. To us, it was candy. <laughs> Bit of that. Yeah. Uh, no, it smells it like was, bubble. What is it called? Bubblicious? Is that what it's called? Bubblicious. Yeah. Like the watermelon yeah, but, flavor. Oh. Is it the one that would kind of be in that circle and you would like pull it or is that a different? No, it's a rectangle. It's like, and it has really thick pieces of gum. <laughs> oh, no, I remember. I remember. There's one that used to be in like a little like circle tube thing and you would kind of pull yeah. out the gum. You know what I'm I talking about? Like tape gum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's tape gum. It yes. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that. Remember, yes. that's what, that's what, so know. that's what the U.S. felt like to you. Like, yeah. Yeah. So for us, it was when they decided to say, okay, we're done being here where we have to move on. We have to go to America where things sound like they're better. We, mm -hmm. and we're like, yes, candy for me. It was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yes, we're, we're signed up. Um, so for us, it was, my parents couldn't afford to take all of us. So they took the oldest two that could work here in the U.S. And we had a plan where, okay, let's take the two oldest one, work to save money to pay for the rest of the tickets for the rest of the kids to fly. So we did that. And every one of us were spread out for three months into friends' houses, family houses. Like, so for three months, I didn't see my, my families, my, my sisters or brothers, because it was hard to just go from one place to the other, but it was, that was hard. Not having my family, not having my parents for three months was really hard. And back then, remember like calling long distance was expensive. So mm -hmm. we would do it like once um, a week and it was for like five minutes and that's it. Cause it, it was expensive. <laughs> I remember like, wow. Diving. I remember that. Was, yeah. Yeah. So that was how it was for us. And we finally were able to have our visas, our tickets and come here. And that was June 26, 1996. 
the moment where we stepped here in LA, it was actually LAX and I was just, I remember just, I remember thinking it's finally here. We're here together as a family. We're here in the land of opportunity. And it was amazing just to know that day, everything changed. My life changed. My kids' lives changed because from that day on, everything was going to be different. There was endless opportunity because that's what this country offers. Right, right. Oh my God. And I love that you're talking about an immigration story that I mean, it's common in our community, right? Where like, you can't afford to bring everyone over. So you do leave, you know, some family members here. I love that you're painting that picture of immigration and how it looks different across the board. Um, Before I get into, you know, you being in the U.S., in L.A., kind of living life there, how, how was those three months, four months that you were without your family? I mean... The youngest of, uh, of six siblings, right? Middle, you're the seventh of eight. Yeah, I'm the I'm the baby too. I'm the seventh of seven, and I cannot imagine being without my parents or my family or being separated at one point. How was that for you when you really it was long distance? It wasn't as easy to call. How was that experience for you? Oh, I'm like taking myself back there. And I'm like kind of thinking it's it's coming, like becoming emotional because I remember it was really hard. I had to take care of my little brother. He was, he's not, he was nine and I had to become the mom. I had to help him with homework. I had to walk him to school. I, I live, we were living with my grandmother, but she was not used to having kids in her apartment. So I was pretty much doing everything uh, for my little brother. And I remember it was it was hard. I had to learn to be patient with my middle brother. I had to learn to grow up, mature. Uh, and it was me at 11. It was, it was an 11 year old little girl. But I, I remember just sending letters to my sisters, to my mom and my dad here in the US and just waiting for the letters to come in the mail. That was such a like a an, an, uh, happy moment every time I would receive letters and pictures um, yeah. and it, it was hard because I didn't have the best relationship with my grandmother so I didn't have anyone to talk to for those three months so I held it all in and just kind of was like the fighter and I think that's also one of the things that helped me like now and it helps me now I am always fighting for what's best and I'm always like holding the fort <laughs> and that's kind yeah. of been my my role in my family uh, but it it's been kind of what has shaped me uh, now that I realize um to be that role in the family mm-hmm. well thank you for sharing that and I wanted to unpack it a little bit because there's so many things that you're saying that I'm like, that makes sense why she's a relationship coach growing up <laughs> in a big family where you, and I and I can attest to this too, you learn so much from people by growing up in a big family because you probably feel the same way too, but I grew up with seven siblings or six siblings and they all have different personalities. They all handle oh, situations yeah. differently. Oh, they all gosh. had different relationships. <laughs> Yo como la chiquita would just be like, 
I would just be learning and taking it all in, right? Like, right? This, isn't that awesome? Yes, you it's awesome. From all their mistakes and like, like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm doing oh my that. god, yes, yes. <laughs> That's how I Don't feel all the time. Like mistakes. Yep. That part, I feel like I learned so much from relationships just by watching them be in it, and yep. I'm like. Okay, I'm not gonna be with someone like that, or I don't want to do that. I don't want to mm-hmm. do this. I don't want to be that. So I, oh man, I totally feel you. I, same thing. I learned so much about people, life, decisions, adulthood, relationships, love, so much from just watching my brothers and sisters and and how they live their life. <laughs> it's an advantage to be in the little one in a family. In a I think so. Family, like I, I think so. You see everything they do and you have so many resources because each one has something different to offer you. I love it. I'm like, if I need help with one thing, I go to this sister. If I need help with uh, like raising my kids, my adult kid, kid, I'm like, I know which sister to go to. If I need help with like uh, putting together a, a copy. And I know who to go to because she's like the smartest one. I love it. Okay. So you brought, you like reminded me of something. You're a relationship (laughs) coach. And this just blew my mind because you're talking about how you go to different siblings for these different resources and you grow up like that. I have the same relationship with my friends. I have lots of friends that I go to for different reasons. Like one of my friends, if I'm going through relationship things, she's the first person I call. One friend, if I'm thinking about career and what I want to do, that she's the first person I call. That's crazy. That's kind of, you just opened my mind to like, I'm replicating the same relationships I had with my siblings. And that's why I have a big group of friends around me, but I go to each of them for very different things. Wow. And that's the way it should be. I love right. that because that's the way it should be. We shouldn't focus all our expectations in, on one person to meet all our needs. Because that's oh, impossible, yeah. first of all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the beauty of having multiple friends is that you get your needs from every other person. Like you, the same in a relationship, we can't expecting our, our spouses or, or our significant other to meet all our needs. It's impossible. That's yeah. the, the beauty of it is seeing what that person has to offer, their strengths, and loving them for that. And then everything else they can't give you, go find it somewhere else. There's someone in your life that can offer that to you. And I love that you said that because if I, if I put myself in the opposite shoes as in someone's relying on me for all of their needs, it doesn't become freedom, right? It becomes like you're trapped. It becomes like pressure and it doesn't feel like freedom. And that's, I mean, that's how I, when I think of love, I think of freedom. Like that's the word that comes to mind. It's just like freedom in expression, freedom in love, freedom in like adventure, like freedom in all the ways. And yeah, when there's pressure, like you need to be my best friend, my therapist, my girlfriend, my partner, my, um, you know, like the todo. It's like (laughs) there there becomes a lot there. Yeah. I I already knew. I already knew we're going to get here. (laughs) That's why there's so many men that just give up, don't even try, because they think it's impossible to please a woman because they expect all these things from us. And they're like, ah, we're not a circus show. We don't know everything. We can't figure it all out. Right. This is all I can Uh, offer you. 
Well, I we could talk about this forever. I, I before we before we unpack more about relationships, let's talk about you coming here at eleven, being on American soil, being you know in LA. You're, you're thinking, "Wow, I'm here! It's finally happening." Talk to us about those first couple years and just how how life was in the U.S. Because you're you're going from Argentina, life in Argentina, to life in the U.S. What's that contrast look like? Oh my gosh, it was it was hard. Um, I was we were so excited, okay, because it was America, the dreamland, and where <laughs> the candy is. Then, oh, so we were thinking, okay, this is awesome. And the first few months were great. We were traveling everywhere. My parents wanted to take us everywhere to see, like Disneyland, to go to Vegas. Like we, they wanted us to have the experience, and we did. And once reality hit. We were living at someone else's basement. It was unfinished basement. So we were all just in there and it was hard. Um, sometimes we didn't have food. My parents were having to work all day. That's the thing. Um, it's not like in our countries where there's like a siesta time and there's a break oh, and people don't yeah. work as much. Here you have to work more. And that meant that I was unsupervised most of my teenage years. And my parents were just working one, two, three jobs sometimes. And I raised myself pretty much. And that brought on a lot of like depression uh, during my teenage years. And along with being the only one in the high school that was a Latina, like it was, I was like the weird kid. Um, but it's just because the area that we were in, um, we're not like back in the nineties, they were not in Utah because that's where we moved in Utah. There was Latinos were not there. They're not, they were kind of hiding <laughs> under the rocks at that moment. Um, oh, so you moved from LA to Utah. So, yes. Yeah. We, oh. we, like we landed in LA, we landed in LA and then we drove to Utah, but like I grew up in Utah, uh, pretty much. Oh, wow. That's where, where I was. And oh, it, so it you was hard. The only Latina. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. Now it's like everybody there is Latino. Like the, the community there has grown so much uh, for Latinos. But it like back then, nobody knew. I'm like, where's Argentina? I would have people ask me, do you take a bus to get go there? I'm like, no, no, it was a 17 hour flight. No, <laughs> like, oh my no, God, the South Pole. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was hard. It was hard trying to communicate with people and then having, like, sometimes people would laugh at me because I would say things wrong in my head. Like at the beginning, remember, like, you want to translate everything and you think it needs to be translated literally. And I remember trying so hard. Okay, it sounds like this. I'm going to say it. And then people laughing at me for like saying it wrong. But like those things didn't affect me. I learned that like those things didn't mold me into who I, I am. They were just, yeah. oh, okay. They, they, yeah. They're not accepting of others. That's what they, they don't know what an accent sounds like and what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's okay. All right. I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> Right. That's the, the persistent in me. Um, but it was it was hard. It was hard like um 
being the only Latina in junior high, high school, and, but I, I made it happen. I was called Argentina, like for like the like two years. I was like people the whole me, country. Hey! <laughs> yeah, like I, in junior high and high school, I was known as Argentina. I made my backpack with my flag and I put Argentina, so people would call me Argentina. I was like, yeah, hey, that's me, that's the Argentina girl. I was like, if I, if people are going to notice me for that, I'm gonna embrace it. Yes, exactly. I am the one that's mm. like nobody knows where Argentina is. That's me. <laughs> And I had fun with it. I, it was, it was fun. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what, like, it was hard having my parents work all the time. It was, it was hard and that led into a whole other, other problems in my life. Uh, I became pregnant out of wedlock and I was like, oh my gosh, here I am 15 and I'm like pregnant. What do I do? And marrying the guy is not an option. And I was like, but this is not going to stop me. And so I decided that the best thing for me and for my child was to place him for adoption. And at 16, I did that. I found an amazing couple. Um, she's from Ecuador and he's American because I wanted to make sure that he kept the culture. And I placed him for adoption and that I was like, okay, this, this is not going to stop me. I finished high school in two years, not three. I graduated my senior year with my class and I was taking classes before, after school, I was doing packets to get all my credits. And I did my junior and senior year in one. And I was able to be the first one in my family to walk with a cap and gown and receive my diploma, my high school diploma. Wow. So it was amazing because out of eight, being the first one, that's huge. Um, that's huge. It was a really proud moment because I, that, that was like one of the first moments to show who I am. I am resilient. I am strong. I used that to push me to better myself. I used those hard moments to tell me, Hey, you can do this. This don't settle for this. Keep going. Reach for the impossible, and that's what I do now. Um, oh, you're gonna make me that cry. That was just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you got me emotional only because oh. you saying all these things about you. You're strong. You're resilient. I'm. I was just like, I'm meeting you for the first time, but I'm so proud of like. Being the first one of eight to graduate, to walk, I'm like, that's such a big deal. And how you did not let this one thing stop you from doing that. And it showed who you are. Like, that made me emotional because I'm like, yes, like, I love seeing women. And I love hearing your story of, like, people thought of me a certain way because of where I was from, because of what happened to me. And then you proved them wrong. And I'm like, yeah. snap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. And also, I mean, huge testament to who you are for being 15 and deciding I need to put my baby up for adoption, right? Because that's the best choice. And I'm not, I don't know what happened in that moment. I'm sure the decision was way harder than oh, yeah. <laughs> they were talking about now, but just a huge testament to how big your heart is, right? How you were you wanted what's best for your child and not for anything else. 
Yeah. So yeah, I, you. thank <laughs> you. Yes. I, I wanted him to have the life that the American dream. And I'm like, I'm only a kid. I can't offer that to him. I, so yeah. he deserves better. And yes, it was the hardest decision of my life. Um, especially because my parents did not support me because in our culture, giving a baby up for adoption, that's like, no, no. It's like, you're, it's a part of you. What the, what are you thinking? No, they did everything and anything possible to stop me. But good thing I had my clan of my sisters and brothers <laughs> supporting me and my brothers-in-law to support me through the whole process. So I was not alone. They, they wanted the best for me and they knew that this was my decision and they uh, supported that. And yeah, it was, it was really hard. It, it was, it, I mean, it, giving your baby up, it's like a piece of your heart and goes out. And I didn't stay connected with him other than through letters, but I have a happy ending to that. <laughs> I, I recently got a hold of him through Instagram and we met last December and reunited. Oh my God. What? Yes. I have my adoption story on Instagram. So people who want to go oh watch it, God. it's there. Where do they follow you on Instagram if they want to follow you right now? Yeah. Elista underscore Fucci, F-U-C-C-I underscore. So if they want to follow me there, E-L-I-S-A, F-U-C-C-I and watch all my highlights. I have the video of me like in the airport walking to meet him after almost 21 years. So 21 years. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And how describe that moment for us and like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Let me take you there. Um, I was so nervous. We both didn't know what to expect. But we were like, let's just do it. We texted each other. And we're like, okay, let's do it. I don't know what to expect. Or we're going, what's going to happen? Um, so I remember I was trying to find him. I, I don't know what he looks like other than some pictures from a few years ago. So I'm like, I, I texted his mom, his adopted mom. And I told him, what is he wearing? And she told me he's wearing this and that. And I was like looking in the crowd uh, for the clothes and I finally saw him on the other side of the carousel and I, I, I started walking and I had made him a sign that said, I've been waiting for you 20 years, which equals this amount of weeks, this amount of days, this amount of oh. time, minutes, this amount of seconds just to see you again. Um, and I just dropped the sign and I run to hug him and it was as if that moment when he was a baby and just two days old was just there again. Like it, the time, the 21 years had never passed. And the hole in my heart was whole again and patched. And he was, he was in my arms again. And I just, we cried and I hugged him and I touched his hair and, and caressed him just like I did the last time I held him in my arms. And we, I didn't want to let him go. And then I'm like, can I, do you want, can I let you go? Like, is it okay? Are you okay? Should I let you go? He's like, no, it's okay. So we hugged again. Like and it was the bond had never left, had never, it was always there. 
he was whole and I was whole again. He knew where he belonged. He knew where that part of him that was missing now was complete. He was whole. Yeah, it was for beautiful. Both of you. you have to watch the video. You're gonna oh, cry. I'm going to watch it right after this call. You already know. And I'm sad it watched it before, but that's a beautiful story. And thank you for taking us there and walking us through that moment. And I mean, from 15 to 20 years later, seeing, you know, this is, como le dicen, like a part of you, right? Part of your heart, part of your body. To see it out there, you're like, whoa. <laughs> But it was it, almost it was surreal. It, I bet. I bet. Did you have a moment of gratitude for your 15-year-old self? You were like, that was the best decision I made. Or how did you feel about that? Oh, my gosh. Actually, I've had a moment. That moment of gratitude happened like a year ago when I became a life coach. And I realized, oh, my gosh, that decision at 15 was what led me to go through everything I've been through now. So I can help all these women so I can relate to these women and be a better help to them. So that's when, when I became a life coach, that's when I, I thanked her. That's when I realized it wasn't just for him. It was for all these women that I'm helping right now. It was a huge decision because that decision determined the, the, the path for me to help all the marriages that I'm saving, all the relationships that I'm saving, everything it molded me into who I am today. So yes, I was like, wow, it blew my mind to realize <laughs> that it that it was just that decision was the beginning of all of this. Um, so yes, I did have that grateful <sighs> moment. <laughs> oh, you are just filling my heart right now. And I'm like, this is the perfect conversation to have on this Friday. It's you have such a beautiful yes. story and I'm just so like, yes, I mean, like you did that. Um, I have so many more questions for you. And before I get some of the next one, it's going to lead us into a whole different conversation. I want to invite you to do a two part episode with me because I know we're running out of time, but oh, I'm like, yes. there's still so much more to explore. And I don't girl, I need to let you know, I do not do two parters. <laughs> But this one is worth it. I'm like, I need to do another Ooh. conversation with you to have just a two-part oh, series. And give, us, yes. Of course, because your story is so powerful and we have barely scratched the surface. <laughs> so I'm like, it needs a two, it belongs in a two-part conversation Sorry. to really highlight. <laughs> Girl, it's okay. <laughs> but your story is powerful and I know it's just going to hit so many people and I know we only have four minutes and that's not enough time for you. So I <laughs> will give it some some space. But before, you know, we we go into that two part conversation, I want to ask you one more question. It's going to lead us there. How was the moment post you, you know, post adoption? How did life change for you or start to kind of shift for you after that moment? Um. I grew up all of a sudden. I I was no longer a teen. I was an adult. I felt like grown up. I felt like I was older than everybody else. I didn't fit in. Um, but I had a goal. I was determined to make the best out of things. And I think that's one of my goals. Like that's the that's what I do in life. If something is presented to me, let's make the best out of it um, yeah. and thrive and endure it and 
learn the most when you're at it. Um, and that's what I did. I, I made the most. <laughs> and it sounds like a lot of your life was that growing up really fast, not fitting in. But what I love about your story right now is that you didn't let any of that affect you, like in a negative nope. way. I, it all kind of was like stepping stones to what you're doing now. And so in the second part of the conversation that we'll do is we're going to explore that life post, like being grown up, right? De repente, like all mm. of a sudden, this grown Elisa walking around and you're just like, okay, I've been through a lot and I'm 15. <laughs> so we're going to explore yeah. that, that journey and we're going to explore how all of that led you to become a life coach and a relationship coach and kind of the work that you're doing now. But for now, this is the end of part one. Part two is coming. And I'm just, I'm so excited. <laughs> me too. Thank you. All right. Y'all know me. Y'all know this platform. I am not one to do two parters, but I swear Elisa's story is so powerful and we didn't get through everything in this first part. So I wanted to give her the time, the space, the grace to tell that story. Y'all are in for a treat. If y'all want to connect with her, go to Instagram at Elisa underscore F-U-C-C-I underscore. And there's also links in the show notes if y'all want to book a call, email, anything like that. Y'all are in for a treat. So see y'all next week for more Cafecito en Chisme. Con mucho amor, tu amiga Andureña.